Hi you guys, it is Coco Moco, and today's episode is going to be about the Super Bowl and how they really won over a female audience finally this year, what I think it means for the future of sports and marketing, and also just kind of the history of the Super Bowl, how it became kind of like what I like to think of as the marketing Olympics. Like if you work in advertising or marketing, the Super Bowl is where all the big dogs come out to play and compete with each other to be the most talked about commercial and like where that stemmed from, what the history is. There's so many different sports, but why is the Super Bowl this huge moment? I think all of that is just so interesting and I myself got sent to the um, to Vegas this past week with Verizon, actually, and they ended up having my favorite commercial. That was not planned. Um, I was not paid to say that, but I got to go to Vegas on behalf of Verizon for some events leading up to the Super Bowl, which I'll get into. And then I also want to get into something fun coming up. That's kind of a secret. I can't reveal a ton, but you guys have been asking in my Discord while my YouTube videos were deleted. And I feel like I should owe you guys an explanation because you guys have supported me so much. So I will get into that as well. Thank you so much for those of you who follow the podcast, who rate the podcast on Spotify and Apple and Google. That helps me so much. Share it with a friend who is obsessed with marketing or pop culture as much as we are. I would love to just continue the conversation with you guys in the reviews and if you ever want to be a part of like a daily conversation about trending topics, etc., then as always, you can join my Discord. I'll have a link in the show notes for you. Thank you guys so much for listening. This is Ahead of the Curve with Coco Moco. Now, the history of the Super Bowl. This is what I was really fascinated in. I remember when I was in college and I was taking digital media classes, one of the things that the like we would talk about every year was the Super Bowl. We would have an entire week dedicated to dissecting commercials once they went up um, and talking about the impact of them, why certain decisions were made. I remember we would rank like the best and worst. And one of the years that I was in college was when the infamous Kendall Jenner Pepsi Super Bowl commercial came out and we dedicated like an entire class like a two-hour class to talking about it and I don't this kind of stuff I'm just so interested in I think is so fascinating so I was reading an article which I'll link in the show notes by Sportico and they were talking about the history of the Super Bowl and how it became this competitive spot for commercials now the first Super Bowl began in 1967 it was a game against the Packers and the Chiefs and the show aired on NBC and CBS. It is believed that neither broadcast kept a copy of the tape as it was a normal practice to delete footage to free up space for future broadcasts, which is so interesting, just like the power of the internet is now we can go back and find archived footage. But back then, like they had to, they probably didn't realize how iconic the Super Bowl had become at the time. In fact, it was so haphazardly produced that uh, one of the players who was a mainstay on the field didn't even have the correct helmet on. He was wearing someone else's helmet because he was drunk and stumbled into his hotel room at 6.30 a.m. that morning and then just went straight to the field to play 
So I don't even think the players really knew the impact of what was coming. Um, and so it was very haphazard. In fact, NBC had a technical glitch, glitch when they came back from the second half. So they had to restart the kickoff. And despite the, the haphazardness of the actual production and the game, and in-person tickets only being $12, it still set a precedent for commercial space. The average cost for a commercial that first Super Bowl was between $35,000 and $40,000, which translates to almost $400,000 today adjusted for inflation. And it wasn't until 30 years after the first Super Bowl in 1995 that the average cost for a commercial spot would finally hit the $1 million mark. Since the 2000s, the rate for commercial spots has risen from $2 million to $7 million this last year in 2024. This puts the going rate for a single second of commercial time at around $215,000. Again, I got these stats and this info from Sportico, which I will link below if you want to read more about it. They also had a really interesting article on their website that I fell down a rabbit hole about where the Super Bowl ran overtime this year as you guys I mean it was a great game if you guys watched but as a result CBS made an additional 60 million dollars in ad revenue because of the overtime that does make me honestly question like are the refs I, I'm conspiratorial and I don't know and this is my opinion everything in this podcast for the most part, is my opinion, and I always encourage you guys to do your own research. But that does make me question, like, are the refs told to try and set up the game in a way that it goes over time? Because why wouldn't they if they made $60 million for 15 more extra minutes of playtime? If I was the one producing it, I'd be like, baby, we're doing five overtimes. You know, so that was really interesting to me. Now... The top advertisers in the top categories of brands who typically spend money on the Super Bowl are cars, insurance, movies, wireless, fast food, beer, and financial services. This year, and part of what this podcast episode is about, is how they really won over a female audience. They really catered to a female audience like never before this year. So, for the first time ever, there was two competing ads for beauty brands, which was Elf and NYX, which I'll get into those specific ads later. But could this spike in beauty branding and advertising be the result of female eyes on the game with the addition of you know Taylor Swift and Alex Earl to the NFL marketing angle? When I was in Vegas, there was actually rumblings and people talking about how the NFL was anticipating that this would be the most watched game of all time simply because of the Swifties, that there was going to be a new set of eyes on the game that maybe typically wouldn't tune in or wouldn't care. I mean, I feel like they really did hit their cap with like, you know, red-blooded American men that love football. And so you have this new angle that they're realizing is something new to tap into. And this is such a different example of this but I always think about that as a creator like I always try to and it's one of the best advice that you can have as a creator but is always knowing when to evolve because when I started doing TikTok for example I was doing tarot and I could tell when I kind of hit this ceiling of 
like my videos were doing great. I loved making them. But I was at a certain number of followers, and even if my videos went super viral, I wasn't gaining followers. And so I kind of knew that, like, I think I've hit, like, anyone who enjoys tarot enough to follow a tarot account, I've probably been across their feed and they followed me. And I might come across other people's feeds, but they're not that interested in what I'm doing to follow. Like, I had hit the cap of the niche that I was in. I hit the ceiling of that niche and then I knew, okay, it's time to pivot. It's time to do something new. And that is when I went into trend prediction and marketing. And then I grew to over a million followers because, you know, maybe there's over a million people that are actually interested in this kind of thing. And just always knowing like when you're hitting your cap, like right now I'm kind of, you know, switching things up a little bit because I just want to grow as a creator. I want to evolve. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I've hit the cap of people who are interested in marketing and it's time to hit a new cap. Maybe it's time to go into like the music space, whatever it is, you know, the things that I do behind the scenes that I then realize that maybe people want me to talk about publicly as well. So that was a long-winded way to say that I think the NFL had like a happy accident this year where they stumbled into, oh, there is actually this angle of women being interested. And I don't mean to say it in like a sexist way. I'm not saying that, oh, women can't enjoy football or there has to be a pop star involved to enjoy football. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying like on the broader scale, on a nuanced scale, is that there is a demographic of women who are now interested because there is someone that they enjoy in another realm of life now that is involved in sports. I also think that this new popularity for the NFL is why specifically the hockey league NHL is leaning into Tate McRae because she's from Canada. She uses ice hockey in a lot of her branding and and she her brother plays professional hockey so it just makes sense for her. Her uh, most watched music video, um, you know, her hit song Greedy. I don't know if that's actually her most watched. I think it's you broke me first. Anyways, um, it's probably going to be her most watched soon, but her popular music video, Greedy, was filmed in an ice hockey rink. So then she had a viral performance at the NHL All-Star Game. She was named as a team captain alongside Justin Bieber and Michael Buble. And like she was going to games now and they're putting her on the Jumbotron. They're like posting videos of Tate McRae at games. And I really think that they're trying to capture this new female audience with sports. I wouldn't be surprised if we see the NBA leaning into this, if we see the NFL being a little more strategic with PR relationships after the success of Taylor Swift. The NBA is really ripe for it too because, of course, you have like Kendall Jenner and you have these people sitting courtside, but I could see it becoming a way more strategic play. Those are my thoughts on that. Um... And then another one is Alex Earl, who was dating Braxton Berrios from the Miami Dolphins. And they, like, I noticed that the NFL started posting Alex Earl on their TikTok when she would show up to the Miami games. And then she was one of the presenters at the NFL Honors Awards Ceremony, which happened in Vegas a few days before the Super Bowl. So it's clear that they're realizing that there's this momentum here and they're tapping into it. You also have Haley Seinfeld, um, who is another pop star, and she's dating an NFL player. 
they've been making the news. Again, it's not new. It's not like the first time that celebrities and famous women have ever dated NFL stars. Of course, I think back to like Kim Kardashian and I think it was Reggie Bush like over 10 years ago. But what I think that this is showing is like there's maybe going to be a little bit more of a strategy to it. I think that there's going to be more of a premeditation to it. And the reason I never speculate on this, like about specific couples, like sometimes I'll get asked, you know, what are your, your predictions for celebrity relationships, um, good or bad. And I, I never, never in a million years speculate on interpersonal relationships. I just think it's wrong. I think that those are sacred and it's just something that I don't do. But on the grand scheme of things, not saying names or anything, on the grand scheme of things, I do think that the professional players and the teams that want to make millions of dollars in ad revenue are realizing that there is a mutually beneficial relationship here. Um, as for Taylor Swift, I think that the the pushback that she's gotten doesn't, to me, feel warranted. I think that she... Whenever people get mad when she comes on the Jumbotron, where I get kind of confused is I'm like, it's not like she's hacking into like the NFL's social media account and posting herself. She's not like choosing to be posted. They're just posting her. So I don't think that it's warranted that people are specifically mad at her. Um, also, there was this really cool thing that I saw on TechCrunch. I'll link out that article in the show notes as well where there's this new app called Blue Sky, and it is a competitor of Twitter, now X. And it's invite-only, but they had a feed for the Super Bowl, and it was called Super Bowl or Super Bowl Taylor's version. And you could pick between two news feeds on your app where you can either see posts about Taylor Swift or you can mute it and they won't show you any post about Taylor Swift when it comes to the game. I thought that was so brilliant. That was the first time I've ever heard of this app, Blue Sky, but they caught my attention and I'm interested to see where this goes, where people can have more, something that um, when I did an interview with Selena Ong, she is from the Spotify Global Head of Editorial on Share Your Screen. I'll link out that in the show notes as well. I need to make merch that's like, it's in the show notes, but she was talking about how her prediction with music and just the internet in general in the next year or so is what we're seeing, which is this like hyper curation that people don't want to have to make decisions all the time. They just want to be, and there's nothing wrong with it. They just want to be told what they should listen to. Um, and that, and, and we're seeing that with like Spotify's day list. Um, that's so bad. I love, I love it. I, I had, I was at the gym this morning and my Spotify day list was like an avoidant, anxious Monday morning. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. So there's this hyper curation. And I think it's so interesting that some of these like new apps that are coming out, they allow you to tune into popular topics like Taylor Swift, the NFL, or you can tune it out. Now, another way in which the NFL really was leaning into this female pop star angle was number one, Beyonce's Verizon commercial. That was probably my favorite commercial. It was in my Discord. They were talking about how it was like the most animated that we had seen Beyonce in a while. She famously doesn't do a ton of interviews. I actually really respect that she's one of the artists that like lets her work speak for itself. She doesn't do a ton of interviews, and this was a very animated commercial that she was in. Verizon's known for having really iconic commercials when I was growing up. 
I always think of the, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, but her commercial was like, she was trying to break the internet with announcements about music, et cetera. And the guy from Verizon kept showing her the phone. He's like, great announcement, but like it didn't, like the, the service is still up. Like you haven't crashed the site yet. Um, and then at the end of the commercial, she's like, okay, drop the new music. And my Discord went crazy, including myself, like refreshing her Spotify, refreshing her website, refreshing her Instagram, everything. And she did end up dropping two new songs, two new country songs, which um, I made a video about it on Share Your Screen in the episode that came out today as well, where I was like, dude, I think Beyonce's going into country music. Um, and then I doubted myself, um, but it ended up being right, which is really cool. Um, Lana Del Rey is also going into country music. Let me know what you guys think. Do you think the rise of country music, one, also has to do with the rise of the football and the American kind of propaganda iconography? Um, I also think that there tends to be a spike in consumption um, and popularization of I sound like a robot using these words. <laughs> um, I think that there tends to be a spike as well when we're in an election year of this like, you know, American homegrown, you know, roots in America, like country, like cowboy, like I love to be here kind of country music. Um, also like American war propaganda movies like Oppenheimer. These these topics, Captain America, Marvel, like they always fall around election years. Um, and if you guys think that the, I don't think that it's like intentional. I don't think Beyonce is like, it's an election year, but I do think that, you know, the public consciences were all just kind of tapped into the same energy and it just seems to be something that becomes popular every election cycle. So let me know your thoughts on that in the reviews. If you think that there's any substance to that theory that I have, um, another way in which the Super Bowl really leaned into it is not just Taylor Swift being there, but like they were literally showing the box that she was in and it had Blake Lively, Ice Spice, Lana Del Rey, my love, Lana Del Rey was there. And what was really interesting to me was that there was even betting sites where you could bet, you know, do you think the Chiefs are going to win? Do you think the 49ers are going to win? But there was also a subsection of bets that began to form where People were placing bets on how many times they thought the camera would pan to Taylor Swift during the game, which is just so fascinating. Um, another way in which they're leaning into women is the 49ers. There is a wife. Her name is Kristen Yushichek. She's the wife of fullbacker Kyle Yushichek. And she went viral online for creating these like custom pieces that she wears to Kyle's games um, to support him. She will cut up like his old jerseys and turn it into a jacket or turn it into a t-shirt or um, a corset. It's so cool. It's the coolest thing ever. And she went extra viral because um, she created a custom piece for Brittany Mahomes to wear to one of the Chiefs games in the playoffs. And um, she did an interview with USA Today, but she was saying that she, um, when she gave Brittany the jacket, she also gave her a jacket for Taylor Swift, but was like, no pressure. Like, if you want to give it to Taylor Swift, you can. You don't have to. Um, and and then she didn't know what happened after that. And then Taylor Swift showed up to the next Kansas City game 
wearing the jacket that she made and her she just skyrocketed like it it just her business her like making these jackets just catapulted to a whole another level and it was so sweet to see the stories about her husband the player Kyle he was making sure that she got credit so like in every twitter thread of someone posting about Taylor Swift wearing this jersey jacket with Travis Kelsey's number on it he was like that's my wife Kristen like that's Chris I just want to make sure she gets her flowers like that's my wife who made that I thought it was so sweet it actually reminds me of um my boyfriend he's super private but my boyfriend he um we found an old sewing machine in my parents garage like uh, last year and we brought it to our apartment and he he's been sewing like a madman he makes the coolest things um I've worn some of his stuff on podcasts that I filmed on and whenever we're in public and he's wearing like one of the items he made He'll just like someone will say, oh, I love your jumpsuit. And he's just so humble. He's like, thanks. And then I'm over in the corner like he made it. He sewed it like he created that. Like, that's him. I just think it's so sick. I think it's so cool. I think we're also going to see the rise of um, refurbishing clothes and not mass consumption, not buying a million new things all the time. I really hope that that happens. Um, I know it's not always easy, like for me being curvier myself, Um I do sometimes have to like buy like what I feel is fast fashion because nothing else always fits me. And um, but other than that, I really love the rise of like this taking older clothing and then remixing them, sewing them in new ways. I think we're going to see the rise of a lot more influencers and public figures who do this um, in the next couple years or even just like renting clothes. I use newly, which I'm obsessed with. I'm hopefully going to work with them in some way. Like, I, I don't know how much I can reveal, but if you guys ever see me do a newly ad, just know that it was like months in the making because I'm obsessed with them. And I tag them like every day in photos and videos. And anytime you see me on a podcast or in a clip doing an interview, I'm usually wearing a newly dress and I'm just, I love them. And I really hope that I can work with them. I, I think that we're going to see the rise of rental closets, rental clothing alongside the rise of refurnishing old clothing. So anyways, that was a side tangent. But um, Kristen Yushichak said that she was already working on a licensing deal with the NFL, which just means that like she can sell the merch that she's making using their team logos and not get sued for infringement, whatever. And the deal ended up going through. She was the first woman to ever ink a licensing deal with the NFL this year. And she said that even though it was kind of in the works for a couple years that Taylor Swift wearing the Travis Kelsey jacket that she made just like catapulted it to a whole new level. And the first item that she's selling is an auction. It's a Super Bowl vest, that, like a puffer vest that she made. And it's um, all the money is going to the National Breast Cancer Foundation. And it's currently sitting at a bid of $52,000. Another thing that I noticed was how how female-focused the commercials were also. I feel like in the past, Super Bowl commercials have either been geared specifically at men or kind of like teetered this neutral line. But the first commercial, like they hit the ground running this year, was for the upcoming Wicked movie featuring Ariana Grande. 
I could be mistaken, but you don't often see movie trailers as commercials at the Super Bowl, especially one for a movie coming out almost a year later and one that is a musical adaptation with two female leads. That to me read as they knew there was going to be a female audience tuning in this year more than ever and it was honestly such a genius move. You also saw um, Ariana Grande was at the game to promote the movie so I thought that was all really really cool. And then two other commercials that were clearly focused maybe at like the women watching were again I'm speaking in broad terms of course there's nuance of course there's men that use beauty so just take this with like a grain of salt I'm just talking in broad terms here I don't want to exclude anyone um and if I am I'm sorry but the first year that two beauty brands went toe-to-toe you had elf cosmetics which did like a judge judy beauty trial and then nyx both very different commercials I personally am very fascinated at Elf's aggressive approach to marketing the last year or so. They had a Super Bowl spot last year with Jennifer Coolidge, and then this year they built a world in Roblox, which I thought was really cool, but where they kind of lost me, and it almost became like this adverse reaction for me when I see Elf, is the new Mean Girls movie that came out, the advertisements, and it wasn't just Elf, it was other brands. But it just felt like one long infomercial or like when you're scrolling on TikTok and they keep showing you like TikTok shop items, like the crisscross chair. I'm like, oh my God, enough. It almost makes me not want to buy the product or like just have like this like off-putting feeling. That's where I'm starting to feel with Elf. I felt that way with their Super Bowl commercial. The NYX commercial was cool. It was Cardi B. And then they were like, oh, it was for their duck lips plumper. And then it was like, oh, scan this QR code for the longer commercial and my boyfriend like scanned it really quick and then it was this like not safe for work kind of innuendos and I mean I really liked that ad I felt like it was kind of a secret treat for those who got to the QR codes quick enough but I didn't see a ton of talk about the Cardi B ad or the Elf Judge Judy ad online I honestly think that the Wicked movie trailer and the Verizon Beyonce commercial just overshadowed everything else and that's always kind of what happens every year is there's just a few commercials that really like take the cake now another thing that I notice is just the rise of kind of what I'm calling like I don't I'm not like the one coining the term but just these like off-camera experiences that we're seeing so a breaking of the fourth wall it happens again it's like happened before but it really happened last year when 2B TV had a viral ad where they made it look like someone changed the TV mid-game, and that went super viral. It, it broke the fourth wall. And then this year, Cardi B did the NYX campaign, where you had to scan a QR code to see the commercial they really wanted to show you, as they said. And then there was also Verizon and Beyonce saying, drop the music at the end of her commercial. And then people began flooding into the website her social media I was on Spotify I was on discord seeing if anyone had it and then she did end up dropping two new singles called Texas Hold'em and 16 Carriages and I think it really shows this new wave of commercials that's happening where the smart marketers know that people are now watching tv with their phones in their hands they're more so listening to the tv than even watching it anymore 
and they want to utilize the fact that someone is holding their phone and tapping into that as quickly as they can. I think that's something that we really saw with this game. Another thing that I do want to add is, of course, there's like so much more female marketing going into the Super Bowl. And it is kind of this like marketing Olympics. They're tapping into a whole new audience with um, new female eyes on it. But that I really hope that this also translates into more eyes on female pro sports. So like the WNBA, you know, it maybe if there's like a football league for I know there's like some football league for women where but I think they wear like lingerie, like more power to them. But I don't know if there's like an NFL for women you know, the soccer league, there's that Angel City team in Los Angeles that was just launched. And I, I was actually at, I was in the south of France this year at Can Lion where all of like the top marketing and advertising experts meet. And I saw a panel with um, Alexis Ohanian, I think is how you say his name. He is the founder of Reddit and married to Serena Williams. And so he really has his pulse on the internet and culture and where it's headed and something that he was predicting and why he invested in the Angels City um, Female Football Club is that he thinks we're going to see a rise in female professional sports getting new eyes, which I really hope for. I played sports growing up. I did soccer, volleyball, and then cheer, and I really think that it was it, it was something that I always felt kind of like bittersweet doing it because I knew that when I was an adult it wasn't something I could pursue professionally the way like my male counterparts could and even when you're in college at least when I was in college like seeing you know the women's sports just didn't get the same turnout as the men's sports I hope that that's shifting I, I believe it was the Nebraska women's volleyball team who broke a record where they sold out the basketball stadium for one of their volleyball games and it was the largest crowd that ever gathered for a female sports game and like oh my god I could just cry seeing those videos so I really hope that this translates into female sports as well and not just like already established male sports but I do think it will and like a couple other predictions that I have is of course we're going to see the rise of this like sporty aesthetic again which is Tate McRae is doing with the hockey gear and she had it on her album cover also um you know Taylor Swift wearing Travis Kelsey's jerseys as jackets I think that's going to translate into broader mainstream culture we're probably going to see a lot of jerseys at Coachella this year um as like one of the staple uh clothing items I also think this is going to translate into the rise of the cheerleader aesthetic maybe I'm biased because I was a cheerleader but like bows in the hair but like on the top of the head like the bow has to be bigger than the actual head um not just like coquette Lana Del Rey bows but big bows um specifically white shoes and white socks that was a really big um like iconography it was a a, a legendary aspect of cheerleading and what it looked like so I think we're going to see the rise of the cheerleading aesthetic as we see the rise of the football aesthetic and those are just my thoughts um keep your eye on more celebrity couples that form between professional athletes and pop stars female celebrities again this is nothing new it's existed forever but I just think that it's going to be something that continues to exist but public 
published a lot more. There's going to be a lot more stories about it. There's going to be a lot more intrigue about it. There's going to be a lot more like the NFL posting Alex Earl at the game or the NBA posting, you know, a influencer at the game dating an NBA player. Like that's all going to become really, really um, more strategic because they're seeing how mutually beneficial those relationships seem to be. So those are my thoughts. I'm going to have some of the links to the sources in the show notes. Thank you guys again so much for listening and be ready for my YouTube channel. When I come back, I'm going to hit the ground running with, I don't need, like, I, I can't say the exact series that I'm filming. It's kind of a secret right now that I'm working on, but I'm so excited for, and I hope that you guys love it as much as I've loved creating it and filming it on set. And the people that I'm interviewing specifically, maybe let me know in the comments a little hint is I'm interviewing music stars that are like have a cult like following but are on the brink of mainstream fame and if there's anyone that you want to suggest to me to interview that would be awesome so thank you guys so much for listening leave me a review in the apple spotify google that all helps me and you can continue the conversation on discord as well bye you guys I'll talk to you next week and I'll see you on the other side